Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com forward slash credit card. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I hope your Monday is going fabulously well. And in fact, it can be even better with Duralast batteries. They're proven tough and designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup. Get in the zone, AutoZone. We're always in the zone here without kick the coverage. I am Clay Travis. Hope your weekend went well, and I'll tell you this much. Had some good moves on the gambling picks, but as much as I love the NBA, and I absolutely love the NBA playoffs, this is the most boring NBA playoffs that we have ever seen when it comes to figuring out who's going to actually win the championship. Right now, we got the Spurs and the Rockets. We got the, uh, the Wizards and the Celtics all battling desperately to get decapitated in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals. I don't know what's happened to the Cavs. I wasn't a believer. You guys can remember me coming on this show and saying I thought they were going to have trouble with the Pacers. It took me a long time to realize that I needed to bet against them. I bet against them in the first three games of that series. I finally flipped it in the Raptors series. I didn't think they had the defensive intensity. I thought whatever mojo they had working chemistry-wise was not connecting. I didn't believe that they were going to come in and win eight in a row in the NBA playoffs like they have. I didn't think that LeBron James was going to be able to take his game to another level. More importantly, I didn't think that the Cleveland Cavaliers were suddenly going to find themselves after playing 82 regular season games and going 51-31 and and finishing second overall in the East. I didn't think they were going to come out and dominate like they did, but they took control of the Raptors, and that series is not even close. We the North, indeed, yeah, you got wrecked. The North absolutely dominated 
by the Cavs and LeBron James. And now, even though we've got a two-game two game series tie here, and I think, look, the Wizards are fun to watch. The Celtics are fun to watch. It's not a bad series. I feel like we're watching a team compete to get decapitated. Somebody's going to get Ned Starked in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and it doesn't matter what happens in these series. So it's hard for me to sit around and say, oh, I'm excited. Now tonight we got the Warriors playing, and we got the Warriors playing against the Jazz. And the thing is, even if they lose, the Warriors that is, you know they're going to come back and win in Game 5, and then they're going to be sitting around with their, their, their feet kicked up waiting to see what's going to happen with the Rockets and the Spurs. Do you feel confident in any way that the Rockets, the Spurs, the Celtics, or the Wizards have any hope of advancing to the NBA Finals? The answer is no. And this is what I've been saying from the get-go. This is the real flaw of the overall playoffs when it comes to the NBA. You look at the otherwise larger universe of sports. Right now in the NFL, by and large, if you make the playoffs, if you're one of the 12 teams of 32 NFL teams that are fortunate enough to make the playoffs, and you've got a decent quarterback. So we can talk toss Brock Osweiler to the curb. We can toss Connor Cook to the curb because of the injury to Derek Carr. By and large, if you have a decent quarterback and you make the playoffs, and most of the times if you make the playoffs, you do have a decent quarterback, you can come out of the wild card and win the Super Bowl. Anybody can win the Super Bowl if you make the NFL playoffs. Anybody can win in Major League Baseball if you make the Major League Baseball playoffs. Anybody can win in the NCAA tournament as long as really you're a top 16 seed, right? It's wide open. Anything can happen. Anything can happen, theoretically, in the college football playoff. We've already seen the four-seed Ohio State Buckeyes with their third-string quarterback, who, by the way, graduated this weekend, Cardell Jones coming out of nowhere and pulling off two straight upsets to win the title, right? We've seen it there. We certainly know that in hockey, where the Nashville Predators have somehow, as what should be the overall eight-seed in the West, now favored to either beat Edmonton or Anaheim in the Western Conference Finals. They've come out of nowhere. They've gone 8-2 and two once the playoffs actually started. We know already because the LA Kings did it that as an eight seed, you can win the actual Stanley Cup. If you make the playoffs, you have a chance to win. Everywhere that is, except for the NBA, where virtually zero chance. If you aren't one of the top two teams or one of the top two or three teams, there's no point in the playoffs. 16 teams make the NBA playoffs. 14 of them, I firmly believe this, have virtually a 0% chance, barring injury, barring an injury. Look, if LeBron James tweaks an ankle and he's going to miss a series or something bad happens to him, then yes, everything changes overnight. But barring injury, we thought we might have a significant injury to Kevin Durant earlier in the year. Barring an injury, it's going to be Cavs-Warriors in the finals. And there's no point to the months-long process. we got a month now, basically, between when the NBA Finals start. The NBA Finals don't start until after Memorial Day. I believe they start on June 1st. I think I'm correct in that. I think that's a Thursday. I think they start on Thursday, June 1st. Between now and then, we just got a lot of time to kill. Saw a great stat. LeBron James is going to play eight games in 35 days. He's going to have, if my math is right, 27 days off in the playoffs so far. I mean, that's remarkable. Congratulations, LeBron James and the Cavs. They've won 11 games in a row. That's what happens when you get on a dominant run like they are on. And so I'm going to bring up Jason Martin. Jason Martin, uh, Ed Jmart Outkick, producer, you watched a lot of these games over the weekend. Yes. Is there any way, if you were having to pick right now, if you had to pick the Wizards, the Celtics, the Rockets, or the Spurs, 
Is there any way one of those four teams in your mind can make the NBA Finals, barring, like I said, a catastrophic injury? Like maybe Steph Curry can run into Klay Thompson, they can bang knees, and they can both be out of the Western Conference Finals. Okay, that's an impactful play, right? Barring one of these crazy, flukish injury plays that might even need to take out two guys, is there any way one of those four teams can actually advance to the NBA Finals? Or am I right? We're just waiting for the Cavs and the Warriors to decapitate them. I would love to disagree with you, but I can't in this case. There was one thing I mentioned last week about these teams, and then one thing that I didn't mention about the NBA playoffs as a whole. What I didn't mention was that, and it's been this way in recent history in the NBA, and by recent I mean in the last like 20 years, not in the last five years, that it works. You take steps in the NBA as a team. You'll start as an eight seed, like the Kings with Chris Webber and Jason Williams and Doug Christie and that crew. They were an eight seed. They gave some teams some trouble, but they were still an eight seed. Then they would move up to about the four hole. Then they would move up a little bit more. There's a process in the NBA. So you look at teams like the Rockets and what they've done over the last few years. Now they're at number three. But do I think that they're going to be able to get past the Warriors? No. And the problem is, and Oklahoma City's the best example of this, because Oklahoma City was an eight seed, and that's when Russell Westbrook started to show up as somebody to pay attention to. Then all of a sudden they were in the middle. Then all of a sudden they were at the top. And the problem came when they still didn't win it all. And when you don't win it all, the fans start to wonder, because there's no other steps for you to take once you get to the top except you have to win the championship. They didn't win the championship. So then you start talking about, well, is it time to blow this team up? The Clippers went from one level to another, and then they stopped somewhere before they got to the top rung. The Rockets, to me, are a team that are going to do exactly what the Thunder did. I don't think they're made to win a championship. They do have a star player. I thought that they would give Golden State a little bit of trouble, but never did I believe that they would beat the Warriors, and I still don't believe that they have a prayer, even if they get past San Antonio, of beating the Warriors. I don't think the Spurs have a shot. I don't think the Celtics are going to even come close. I think the Wizards could give them more fun and maybe some closer basketball, but they don't play good enough defense. And the other thing that I did mention, Clay, was that you didn't believe in the Cavaliers because you said, I don't know if they can turn it on. I'm not sure they ever turned it off. And this is the biggest indictment of your NBA regular season is they just didn't care because they knew they were this good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, And this is why my argument has been, if I'm LeBron James and I feel like I've got a lot of wear and tear on my legs, and look, he's 31 years old. He's been to, I think probably he's going to go to his seventh straight NBA Finals. That's a lot of extra games. There's no doubt at all about that. If I'm LeBron James next year, and this would really put the NBA into an, uh, an uproar, why does he need to play in October, November, and December? Why can LeBron James not be like, look, I'm chilling, I'm resting my legs, I'm not going to come and play until Christmas Day. I'm going to show up on Christmas Day, or I'm going to show up right after the New Year starts. I feel like I can round my team into shape for January, February, March. Like I can play, I can take off 25 games, and then I'll show up and I'll play 55 regular season games or whatever it is. I'll take 30 off and I'll play 50. Like, what's the purpose? And, and this, again, I think then becomes a huge indictment of the NBA regular season because I think, I think they did exactly that. I think they looked at the Celtics and they said, there's no way we're going to lose to this team. And they looked at the Celtics and said, no way we're going to lose to this team. And they said, screw it, we don't even care if we're the number one overall seed. And we don't know if the Celtics are going to advance. Obviously, the Wizards, the huge run 
in the second half, 26-0, whatever it was, to put away the Celtics and tie it up at 2-2. We'll find out what happens in Game 5 going forward. But again, my problem with it is I understand if you're a Wizards fan or if you're a Celtics fan why you care because you're like, you want your team to advance. You want Brad Stevens. You want this young uh, Wizards team to kind of advance to the finals and feel like they have another level to go to. But if you're a casual NBA fan and you come on for the NBA playoffs, it's been a disaster. Just about every game has been decided by double digits. Most of them, again, all of the favorites just about winning every single time. And we're advancing towards an execution. That's what I feel like. We're going to talk about this and more with my guy Lance Taylor. He's up next at the official, uh, at the Lance Taylor, sorry, uh, at the Lance Taylor. He's up next. Usually he's with us on Friday. Instead, he's going to join us with Monday now. We got into a, a fiery conversation on Friday, so I told him we'd have him on Monday. We're going to have him on Monday here in hour one. Lots of fun. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. We're going to start your Monday off perfectly well here on Outkick the Coverage. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Usually, we talk to this guy on Friday. Instead, we're bringing him in early on Monday morning. Appreciate him being willing to join us. It's Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor from 94.5 Jocks FM down in Birmingham. We are on the sister station there, AM-wise. LT, I had a lot of fun gambling the games. I continue to watch them all the time in the NBA, but I feel like everything for the next month is a foregone conclusion. We're going to get the Cavs, and we're going to get the Warriors in the NBA Finals. And even though there are four teams fighting to join them, I know the, I know the Warriors are just up 3-0, and and I know we don't know necessarily what's going to happen in those other two series, but let's start in the East. Does it matter whether the Wizards, who had an incredible 26-0 run and found a way to tie up, both win both home games, now they're tied up with the Celtics, does it matter whether the Wizards or the Celtics are there to play against LeBron and the Cavs? No, not at all. And, you know, it is a foregone conclusion. I think we said this last year, uh, at least when Durant signed with the Warriors, we were going to see for three consecutive seasons, the NBA Finals were going to be Cavaliers versus Warriors, you know, the only thing that I would say is it's a team, whether it be the Wizards or the Celtics, and those teams obviously hate each other. Whoever wins that series, it's a team that is building in the East, and, you know, the future looks bright for either one of those teams that, that gets to an Eastern Conference final. But it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, LeBron is just way too good, and the Cavaliers' offense, way too good. I mean, defensively, they've got some challenges, and I think they'll probably lose a couple of games. I mean, they lost two games to the Raptors last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. But you're right. I mean, we know what we're going to get. I mean, barring some kind of devastating entry in the, uh, in, the, in, in the conference finals, we're going to see, once again, the Warriors and the Cavaliers. We're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. I also saw this question. Let's stick in the Eastern Conference of the NBA here for a moment. Who's the second best player right now in the Eastern Conference after LeBron? <sighs> uh, I mean, we could go Greek Freak or John Wall. I think I mean, both of those are the legit. That's that's the next two guys I would have said. But I think there's a pretty big gap right now between LeBron and everybody else in the East. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, we just we get so used. We're so conditioned that LeBron's greatness. I mean, it was like Michael Jordan when he was playing. You know, we just knew it was him and everybody else. And, you know, people wanted to anoint Steph Curry as that guy. And, you know, that's obviously – I mean, Steph Curry's a great player in his own right. and does some tremendous things, obviously, for Golden State. But he's just not what LeBron is. Uh, and there's other guys out there. You know, if you're just talking East, you know, if we start to get to the Western Conference, obviously you get guys like Kawhi Leonard, and I even think Carl Anthony Towns is going to be one of these guys, and Anthony Davis, although he hasn't gotten it done for a full 82 yet. 
there's some some arguments over there. But yeah, in the East, I think I would go, and I can't even. I, I try to get his name right. I can't. Antetokounmpo. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really close. Uh, he is just fantastic. And I said it a couple of weeks ago. If I was drafting right now for the next five. I might go him or Kawhi number one over LeBron, but right now LeBron's the guy. But I think uh, I think Milwaukee's got a, a team in the making, and I do think John Wall is by far your best point guard right now in the NBA. All right, let's talk about exactly right now. The worst team in the East this past year was Brooklyn, which finished twenty and sixty-two. The Seventy Sixers went twenty-eight and fifty-four. If you put LeBron on either one of those teams, don't change anything else in the East. How far could he take Brooklyn and the 76ers this year? Could he take them into the second round? Could he take them into the semifinals? Do you think he could win the East if you just put LeBron on those two teams? Uh, it, again, I don't think the Celtics are a traditional one. I mean, this is just not one of the, the better one seeds we've ever seen. It's one of the worst one seeds we've ever seen. And credit Brad Stevens and Isaiah Thomas, all of 5'9", and getting done what he's done. So, yeah, I think LeBron could actually – I mean, let's just go back to Mike Brown and the Cavaliers with Delonte West. And you look at how bad those Cavalier teams, at least the supporting cast, the other guys with LeBron were. And LeBron was able to get that team to an NBA Finals, and it wasn't a good Cavaliers team. So, yeah, I think he actually could. I mean, obviously the Sixers were a better team, and you look at some of the size of the, the Philadelphia 76ers and a young core there. Uh, Brooklyn, it would have been a little more difficult. I mean, Brooklyn, I still think he gets them to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know if he gets them to the Finals, but I think he'd give it a run. You know, and one of the, the great hypotheticals I've always loved is take LeBron and look at all of your major NCAA programs. They're not even major programs, just major conferences. Well, let's just go Power Five conferences in college basketball. I mean, how many of those teams can he actually get to a Final Four? I mean, if you throw LeBron right now on – Say Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt's a Final Four team, right? Zero doubt. I mean, I, I think yeah. LeBron on any, just about any major team. Can, I mean, you don't know exactly what's going to happen in a one-game setting, right? Somebody could get hot. Somebody could make a lot of threes. But I think, in general, he would have them as a top four uh, seed, right? I mean, I think he would have any decent team as a top four seed in the uh, in the in the NCAA tournament, just based on how good he is. We're talking to yeah, Lance I mean, Taylor I- at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. I mean, right now, Clay, the guy has scored 30-plus in six consecutive NBA playoff games. They haven't lost since game four of the NBA Finals last year. So LeBron James, I mean, if he wanted to, in a college setting in 40 minutes, he could score 50 points a game, and he'd play all 40 minutes. There's there's nothing he couldn't do. There's no doubt. I think that's underrated is adding eight minutes. He could go full bore for 40 minutes in every game in college. It would be amazing to see Uh, this, this kind of situation. What would LeBron have to do for you to start to consider him as a legitimate contender with Michael Jordan to be the greatest basketball player of all time? Does he have to? I mean, are you there already? Is it 1A, 1B for you? Or is there anything LeBron could do? He's 31 now, I believe. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the championship this year, but obviously if he did, and that got him to four titles, I mean, he'd be ahead of the pace that Michael Jordan had set. And you would have to take a step back and say, whoa, I mean, maybe he could make something happen here. Um, what would you have to see him do? Well, it's really close now. Um, and everybody says that it's just never going to happen. He's, you know, chasing the ghost. And people have talked about that before. To me, he's just such a dynamic player. And I don't think we give him enough credit. And this is one of the guys, and it's so difficult to do in sports, is to exceed expectations when the expectations have been placed on somebody like LeBron James. Uh, you know, the next great one. And he's done it. 
I mean, he is arguably the second-best player we've ever seen, and you're right, at 31. I mean, if he was to win one this year, to me, his biggest accomplishments ever were coming back from 3-1 last year and then taking that bad Cavaliers team that we referenced earlier to an NBA Finals. But if he was to able to pull it off this year, oh, wow, back-to-back against a heavily favored Golden State team, you got to at least put him – I mean, it, to me, it's like almost a photo finish, and, and nobody's going to – I mean, people always like to talk about the past, and you want to give more credit to the past. I mean, you know, I'm kind of getting on a tangent here. Like, great band right now. What great band rivals the Beatles? And I'm not even a Beatles fan, but everybody likes to look back and look in history. Nobody's going to give present the the credit they deserve until everything's in the rearview mirror. And I do think in the next 20 years, people are going to look back and they're going to be like, my God, LeBron was that good. But, I, you know, I think he does have to win a couple more championships. But if he does play, he's right there. All right, Eastern Conference, we just broke down. We're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor 94.5 Jocks, uh, our station that we're on down in Birmingham. We're on the AM there early in the morning right now in Birmingham. All right, Golden State. Golden State's up 3-0. They're probably tonight going to go ahead and close out Utah if they perhaps lose this game. Can I ask you this real quick? Can I interrupt you, Clay? Have you ever been to Salt Lake City? I know you've talked about this, but I I thought it was awesome Matt Barnes coming out and saying we really wanted to play the Clippers because, and I know this is old (laughs) news, because we get bored. Have you ever been to Salt Lake City? Because I I spent an extended week in there, and I had a really good time. I mean, I I got as much trouble as possible in Salt Lake City. You know what? I've heard that it's an amazing town, uh, and people have told me that I need to go watch a football game, you know, watch Utah play, because I think they're in Salt Lake City, right? Like, set up right there. Yeah, they are. uh, Right up in the stadium, has an amazing view. I've heard from a lot of the people at Fox who have obviously been out to call games there and everything else that Utah is a really cool place to go to watch a college football game, and it's on my list, actually, of places I would like to go. Never been to the state at all. You know, I've probably been, I don't know, to 40 of the 50 states, uh, if I had to guess right now. Never been to Utah, but I thought that was really funny that they came out and said that. And I also love, you know the Warriors are on a roll when they're talking about where they'd rather go play for just hangout purposes, not even like matchups or anything else. Like we were just kind of hoping we'd get to go to L.A. and hang out in L.A. as opposed to going to uh, Salt Lake City and hanging out there. I watched that game. I mean, I I had a lot of money on it. I made it the blood bank guarantee. Uh, The Warriors covered. Kevin Durant looks like he's coming into kind of his full fruition of how good he's going to be. Steph and Clay didn't even have very good games. Draymond was kind of his usual consistent self. There, if let's even if they lose tonight in Game Four, which by the way is the only NBA game going on tonight, even if they lose Game Four, they're going to come back and win Game Five. It doesn't really matter. Is there anything that they should be afraid of from either the Spurs or the Rockets? The series not over, obviously, with the Spurs and the Rockets. But is there anything that either one of those teams should make them afraid of, or do you think it's like a five-game, six-game series at worst? They're going to be in the finals. Yeah, you know, Houston does concern me a little bit, just their ability to score. I mean, we know James Harden is a great player, and when you look at, you know, the complementary players in Houston, I mean, you've got night in, night out, five or six guys like Golden State that they can go for double figures. And you've got guys like Lou Williams and Eric Gordon off the bench. So they're an explosive team, so I think Houston can make this really interesting. To me, Tony Parker was that savvy veteran that did a lot for San Antonio, had the intangibles. Kawhi Leonard is a fantastic player. Um, but so much pressure is on him now to carry that team. And we've seen Aldridge in spots has been good. If Aldridge could really get it rolling, then San Antonio could be interesting, obviously with you know the second, third, fourth best player in the league and the best coach in the league in Popovich. But to me, Houston's so dynamic offensively. Um, 
I think they could take it six games, but again, going back to the original, you know, discussion, it's it's foregone conclusion. I mean, we barring catastrophic injury, we are getting Cavs Warriors. There is no doubt about it. And I'm, I, you know what, I'm excited about it. I mean, I, this second round has sucked. It really totally. has. I mean, we've had what two games decided by single digits. It has been, it's been a awful. disastrous to watch. Uh, hang with us here for a minute. We're going to go to trending. Let's uh, right now go find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Talking to my guy Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. Also, want to remind you, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and, on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience uh we're talking about how we're kind of looking forward to the Cavs and the Warriors not kind of we are looking forward to the Cavs and the Warriors in the NBA finals but in the meantime like it's kind of a disaster right I mean it's been going on forever it is uh the the second round of the NBA playoffs has been really boring you feel like even if the Celtics and the Wizards end up going seven games it doesn't matter because the way the Cavs are playing they're not going to be able to compete with them even if the uh, Rockets and the Spurs end up going seven games still the winner of that series I don't think is going to be able to compete with the Warriors is there a way to make the NBA playoffs better when we have two teams like the Cavs and the Warriors that are this much better for instance LT, what I suggested was instead of having 16 teams make the playoffs, if you had a double series there at the end of the year, if we had Cavs and Warriors and we had to go, let's say, best of 11 or best of nine, like more games with them and less games with teams that don't really have a chance to win the title. Well, based on the money that I lost last year on the Warriors against the Cavs in the finals, I wish it would have gone 9 or 11. Yeah. Because I think I would have, I would have gotten that. Uh, obviously, that's something that will never happen. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. I mean, it just – you get to a point, and I don't mind 16 of 30 teams being in the postseason, but I just don't like the predictability. I mean, that's the great thing. And, look, and I'm more of an NBA fan than I am a college basketball fan, and I know we've discussed this before – College basketball, when we were growing up, was awesome. I mean, Big Monday, just watching all of the ESPN coverage. I even liked Dick Vitale back in the day. Um, but the great thing about college basketball now is that tournament. Those three weeks are incredible because you really don't know what you're going to get. In the NBA, it's kind of like women's basketball. It's like golf when Tiger was playing. It's so top-heavy. You know what you're going to get. I just don't like the predictability. Yeah, and look, I mean, we're, we're here in Nashville, and the Preds just closed out the St. Louis Blues uh, 3-1 on Sunday afternoon, and they're now advancing, and it looks – yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you have no idea what's going to happen, right? I know the way they seed the NHL now, there's technically not 1-8, to eight, but the Preds were the 8 seed, right? They opened with the Blackhawks, and then they played against the Blues. But you had no idea what was going to happen. People in the city are kind of ecstatic if they root for the Predators. No idea what was going to happen. You had the Edmonton Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks. Edmonton took it to them yesterday. But you don't really know what's going to happen. In fact, right now, and I'm far from a hockey expert, we've had Clay tries to name hockey players on this show before, and I've done disastrously. But my argument has been for a long time, right, that if you have the NHL, Major League Baseball, or the NFL, in theory – any team that makes the playoffs in all three of those sports can win a championship, right? The NBA is the only major – yeah, and and the same thing, by the way, in the college football playoff now, you might have a team that's not the best that can win it, obviously. You also – in the uh, in the situation with the uh, the NCAA tournament, which you just mentioned, probably the six most popular postseasons, right? The other five, other than the NBA, anybody can win it. 
in the NBA, there's really only two teams that can win it this year. That's it. You know, and, I, yeah, again, we've talked about it before. But I think one time in NBA history, and I think it was 1999, strike short in season where that ratty Knicks team with Latrell Sprewell goes to a final against Tim Duncan and the Spurs, and it was Popovich's first championship. I mean, that was the only time we've seen an eight seed actually get to a finals. I don't think we'll ever see it again. I mean, it's not even close. Eight seeds are light years away. And you're right, wild cards sneak into Major League Baseball, wild cards in the NFL win Super Bowls. Um, it, it just happens in every other sport, but it just doesn't happen in the NBA. NBA. So uh, I, I don't know what you do with it, um, but it's like we go through these 40 days of playoffs just to ultimately get to the series we know that's going to happen. A hundred percent. A hundred percent it ends up in that exact same situation. Uh, Talladega happened this weekend in Alabama. You are in Alabama. I tweeted out a picture of a guy with Nick Saban's tattoo on him. Uh, it's an unbelievable picture. Like, I mean, he's got a Nick Saban like face and like polo, <laughs> coaching polo on it. Uh, how many people in the state of Alabama do you think have Nick Saban tattoos? Oh, Clay. Um, okay, what is population of Alabama? Maybe three million. I think is it's like right? four. I think it's like four or four and a half. Oh, I would say the majority now of people between the years of eighteen and forty. I would say sixty percent probably have tats. It's it's so, become really really. Do you have any tattoos? No, I do not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a tattoo for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm not yeah, a I'm tattoo not guy either. But you're right. I mean, it's insanely popular with people 18 to 40. Do you ever, years old. I, I'm going to get back to your original question on the Saban tat. But do you ever wonder? Because I know you got three boys. Because I've got you know a little girl, a little boy, and I, I always think, are they going to have tattoos one day? Do you ever think about that with your little guys? A little bit, but I I think it's going to cycle back in the other direction. You know, so that it was like for a long time when we were kids, for instance. It was a it, like tattoos were not that common, so it was. I think it was a rebellious thing to do to get a tattoo. I think what you hit on is key. Nowadays, it's actually almost more of a rebellion not to get a tattoo, right? So I think everything is cyclical. So I think it's less likely that tattoos will be as popular. Here's the other thing, by the way. I don't know about your kids. What's amazing to me about my kids, and there, I mean, there are lots of things that you obviously see as a societal difference and generational and everything else. When they see somebody smoking a cigarette they react like they are seeing somebody shooting up heroin on the side of the road. Like, they, they stop, they pause, they're like, what in the world is that person doing? How in the world are they smoking? Like, I don't know about you, but, like, when I was a kid, you'd be riding along in the car with windows rolled up, and people are just, you know, moms and dads are just smoking like crazy. Oh, yeah, we and, boxed. Yeah, they, had, totally. they had ashtray on the, uh, the dashboard. And Yeah, and what's even crazier about that is, like, Back, you know, you watch Mad Men and people are smoking on airplanes, which is, I can't even imagine how awful that would have been. But yeah, like they see it and they're like, that's literally a cancer stick. It's unbelievable to me how, how much they are like react to it. Uh, but the, the Saban tattoo, when I saw it, I, I was trying to think how many of them I've seen, but also how common are they? Would you say over, under 400 people in the state of Alabama with Nick Saban I'm, I'm tattoos? Go, I, you know, I was going to give Nick Saban a shout out. Um, I think his career wins are 210. I think that is right, um, or at least that's close to it. I'm going to say right at his career wins is probably the Nick Saban tattoo out there. I think there's a lot of a lot of kids named Nick. Oh, and Saban. Yeah, and, and Saban and dogs, obviously. I think there's some Julios out there, too. <laughs> We're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor. We didn't talk to you last week, but obviously the big news last week was Nick Saban signing the extension. I said on the show, I mean, he's easily worth $11 million. What would the dollar figure be that Alabama would pay Nick Saban and you would say that's too much? Like, what number would they hit and you would say, I don't think it's possible to justify that? 
Um, uh, oof. So he's still underpaid right now. I agree with you. Even the $11.1 million. I don't know if you can put a price on it because we had this discussion and we were trying to decide who his contract or who Nick Saban actually in his 11 years has benefited the most. Just individual people. Like Paul Feinbaum has become, and I think he was close to a millionaire before, but he's become a multimillionaire because of Nick Saban. There's no Nick doubt. Sa- Nick Saban, not that I make a lot of money, but I have, I have tripled my, you know, salary every year based on Nick Saban. I mean, just because the economy, advertisers, we've gone from a 50,000-watt station on an AM signal to 100,000 on an FM, and I'll give Nick Saban all the credit in the world for this. And, I mean, I've talked to business owners that are my clients that, you know, are killing it because the economy thrives because Alabama football is this good. So I, I don't know if there's a number you really can put on it. You know, and I graduated from Alabama back in 95, and I think we had 16,000 undergrad, and I think it's like 36,000 now. So, you know, enrollment has more than doubled since he got there. And it's out-of-state enrollment where they're charging even more money, too, which is like I, we had a guy who, uh, who sent me an email and we talked about this, that he thinks Nick Saban every four years is worth $49 million in additional income just from students, not even counting what he's meant for football, just in terms of the number of kids that want to go to the University of Alabama now. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised at all. I think the only people that hate Nick Saban outside of people that aren't Alabama fans are guys like me in high school that had a 2-3, that just did enough to get by <laughs> and wanted to go to Alabama just for the social aspect of it. And there's no chance I could have gotten in Alabama now. I mean, there's no chance. I mean, the, the requirement, I think it's a 3-8 is your average GPA for in, in, enrolling freshmen. It's amazing, and it doesn't get enough attention what he's meant to the university at large. LT, have, I know you're down at the beach this week. Thanks for getting up early with us. Have some fun at the beach, my man. I'll do it, Clay. Thanks, man. That is, that is Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. Go follow him there. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, great news. There's a quick way that you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. DeMar DeRozan was talking after the Raptors were swept, and he said something that I talked about with Lance Taylor. Basically, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Raptors – They would have won this series instead of getting swept if they'd had LeBron James. A lot of people are up in arms saying, oh, my God, I can't believe he said it. I can't believe he said it. I actually agree with him completely. I think there's a decent possibility that LeBron James on any team in the East gets that team into the NBA Finals. But here was DeMar DeRozan speaking after the game. If we had LeBron on our team, too, we would have went on. You know, we, we could say that. We could say that all day, time, everything. But, you know, we didn't. You know, it happened. You know, we got swept, and, you know, it's going to be a, one of them long summers for us. Danny G and Robert, do you believe that if – and I don't even think it's just the Raptors. The Raptors are good enough to make the Final Four of the Eastern Conference. I don't think there's any doubt at all that they would have won the Eastern Conference if they had LeBron James. In other words, if you just flip LeBron James, everything changes in this series, and I think probably they'd have a good chance of sweeping the Cavs the bigger question, I think, is how far down the Eastern Conference do you think you could go and still have LeBron James getting that team into the finals? And for people out there who don't know, the worst teams in the East this past year were the Brooklyn Nets, who went 20-62, and 62, and the Philadelphia 76ers, who went 28-54. and 54. 
And then right above that, the Orlando Magic and the New York Knicks, all those teams had 31 or less wins. I don't think there's any doubt that for the Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte team, Detroit, Miami, all those teams, if you put LeBron James on it, they would win. I mean, they were close to making the playoffs as is. LeBron probably adds yeah. 15 wins at least to them. So I don't think there's any doubt. I think the question is, if you went with the Knicks or lower, the Knicks, the Magic, the 76ers, and the Nets, do you think LeBron, do you guys think LeBron could get those teams into, not to win it, but, but get those teams get to, there. The, to the NBA Finals? Could they win the Eastern Conference? I guess the cutoff line would probably be the Knicks because at least they have Porzingis and Carmelo. You oh, need... there's zero doubt that yeah. if LeBron was on the Knicks with Carmelo and Porzingis, that the Knicks would win the Eastern Conference. You need a star or two with him because remember back to 07 when he had garbage around him and he still carried them, the, the, the you know, his original Cavs squad to the finals, wasn't able to win, obviously. Yeah, I don't think they could win, but I think right. he could get there. I mean, I think they'd get swept probably by the Warriors, and they still, by the way, might get swept by the Warriors. I, I think the Warriors have to be a prohibitive favorite at this point. But I think that's how good LeBron is relative to the rest of the okay, East. Okay, now, Clay, with that said, what teams at the bottom of the West do you think you could put them on and they could flip to the playoffs? Oh, I mean, like teams that didn't even make the playoffs, I mean, I think they could contend with the Warriors. Like, think about the, the New Orleans, for instance. If he had Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins, I mean, that's an unbelievable team, right? If you put LeBron on the on the New Orleans team. Uh, I mean, that's a team that went 34-48 and 48 in the West. So I think certainly you put that team on, and not only are they good, they might win the NBA, you know, championship overall. Um, and certainly they would be in the finals, I think, against Golden State. I really do. Um, you know, I, I don't think, could he save the Lakers? Uh, I think the Lakers would still be pretty bad. Yeah, well, they. I mean, they have a lot of unproven talent. Young guys. Yeah, a lot of young guys on the squad. How about a team as wretched as the Phoenix Suns right now. They're so young. Um, I mean, I think I think the challenge is, and again, for people out there who don't know, the Suns were the worst team in the West last year and, what, the second worst team overall. I, I think the challenge is that they're just so young. But I think by next year, assuming these guys come along, I think they could be so much better. I mean, I, I think it speaks a little bit to the weakness of the Eastern Conference again. I mean, the Eastern Conference is not good. Right, and if you flip LeBron, he's such a kingmaker that he changes the game everywhere. And in particular, I, I think you could go almost all the way to the very bottom of the league. I think certainly all the way down to the Knicks, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I think Porzingis, Carmelo, and LeBron would be a pretty powerful trio. They could score a lot of points. So I, I don't, I don't understand why what Demar Derozan said is considered controversial at all, personally. Because I think he's just speaking the truth. And that's a testament not to – it's not cutting down his own team. It's just a testament to how good LeBron is and what a difference he makes in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I asked this question of Lance uh, Taylor earlier in the show. How big of a gap is there between LeBron and the second-best player in the East right now? I, I think you can make an argument the second-best player in the East right now is John Wall. I think you can make an argument the second-best uh, player in the East right now is the Greek freak. I mean, th there is a big gap between LeBron James and everybody else there. Now, in the West, not so much, right? I mean, LeBron James, you, you look at uh, Russell Westbrook, you look at James Harden, and then several of the guys that are on the Warriors, whether it's Durant, whether it's 
uh, whether it's Steph Curry, whether it's Clay Thompson, whether it's uh, you know any of those guys, even Draymond Green, the West has got a lot of big time playmakers in it, but the East, I mean, it's so so uneven. And honestly, this just all circles back around to the big issue that we've got in general, which is the NBA is the least exciting playoffs of any major sport in America today. Let me give you a little bit of a roadmap for where we're headed here in the uh, final couple hours of the show. Hope your Monday is going well. In the final hour of the show, we're going to have Jason Whitlock on. He has got an article that I believe is going to ricochet around the internet all day today. It is on the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal today, and it deals with ESPN's troubles and also why sports media has become so left-wing, and it's really good. You need to go read it. In hour two, coming up, I want to load up the phone lines here in a momentarily, 877-996-6369. I don't know how many of you watched the Kentucky Derby, but it got me thinking how much different sports would be everywhere if we could gamble on sports like we can all gamble on the Kentucky Derby. We'll talk about that and more in the second hour. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. I hope your Monday is going fabulously. Thank you for spending it with us. And we will be off and rolling here with Hour 2 and Hour 3 when we come back. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Hour 2, Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries, proven tough, designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone, auto zone. I was planning on watching the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. The Kentucky Derby on Saturday, I think, is probably the single most boring sporting event that occurs on television because there's so much talk and fluff and pomp and circumstance surrounding this 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 horse race and it only lasts two minutes. And if you're like me, as most of you, I would imagine, are, all you care about is the two-minute horse race. You don't care about the profiles on the horses. You don't care about the profiles on the owners. There isn't that much to actually watch. And so I was planning on watching this thing live. And while I've got it on television, I just fell asleep. I fell asleep during the Kentucky Derby broadcast and when I woke up, the race had already happened, and I had it on DVR, and I went back and I watched all two minutes of it. And that's probably the best way to watch it. It means I didn't end up gambling on it. But as I'm sitting there watching it, and I think this every year, I've been fortunate to go to the Kentucky Derby as well. I've been up there to cover it as a uh, sports writer. And the year that I went up to cover the Kentucky Derby was probably five or six years ago. They had a what I was blown away by is you hear so much about how everybody's got to be independent. Sports writers got to make sure that they aren't influenced in a negative way by being biased. We had a gambling window in the sports writing arena. Like the area where sports writers sit and watch the horse race, which is up top, beautiful view, right by Millionaire's Row, where the most exclusive area is to watch the horse race. There was a betting window for us in the press box. Never seen anything like it. So to make sure that the media don't have to get out and stand in line for everybody else, with everybody else, betting on the horse racing, we could be tweeting, we could write our articles, we could file, we could stand right up, walk to the back of the press box, and stand in line and bet on the horse race that we were about to watch. All of them all day long. 
obviously not just the big Kentucky Derby itself, but all the other races that led up to the Derby. And I remember thinking, first of all, how awesome that was. But secondly, how patently absurd American laws are when it comes to sports gambling. And I want to ask you this right now, and I'm going to open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. If today I was suddenly able to wave a magic wand and I said, gambling on horse racing is not allowed, what percentage of the audience that watches a horse race vanishes? In other words, if I said to you right now, all we have to rely on is the sport itself, and I'm not going to allow sports gambling to occur, what percentage of people do you think don't pay attention at all to horse racing? Because the way it's covered, the gambling element is integral to the horse race, right? Oh, this is a big, a long shot. This is a big underdog. This is where the money's coming in. You look at the horse races, and you can see clearly who the favorite is. And in fact, the last five years, I believe now, the favorite has won the Kentucky Derby. So it got me wondering, what would happen to the interest in horse racing if we did away with gambling? And then, if you have a functional brain, and a lot of you do, you also just take a sit back and recognize how broken the way we deal with sports gambling in this country is. It makes zero sense, right? If you get on a plane right now, we're on in Vegas, so if you're in Vegas or if you're in the state of Nevada, you guys can sit this one out. But if the rest of you get on a plane this morning and you fly to Las Vegas or Reno or somewhere in Nevada, when you get off that plane, you can walk into a variety of different places and put as much money down as you can possibly afford on the Golden State Warriors tonight playing against the Utah Jazz. I think the Jazz are around an eight-point favorite. If you do that anywhere else just about in the country, it's not legal. How does that make sense? On top of that, how is horse racing now so legal that you can legally do it on the internet through an app on your phone? If we're concerned that sports gambling is going to break the moral fiber of American sporting life, how is it that we can gamble left and right, anywhere in the country, on phones in our hands, legally, about horse racing, which, by the way, is probably the sport that's easier to fix than any sport because the horses are ridden by jockeys. And you and I can watch a horse race and have no idea if a jockey decides to throw it. Even people who are incredibly skilled in horse racing There's so many vagaries involved in a race that if they just nick the horse a little bit out of the gate, they can guarantee that their horse doesn't win the race. So how is it that we as a country can allow horse racing and gambling to take place everywhere? Obviously, as a part of the Triple Crown in Maryland and then the state of New York, we allow it all over the country. And there are other strange exceptions as well. I believe down in Florida, they still have greyhound racing, the dogs. They have dog track betting. I've been to that before too. How is it that we have all of this hodgepodge of gambling allowed 
And we don't allow it in the big sports that everybody cares about. Don't allow it in the NBA. Don't allow it in the NFL. Don't allow it in college football or college basketball or the NHL. How does that make sense? How does that make any sense at all? Especially now with both the NHL and the NFL bringing franchises to Vegas. A lot of you are going to go watch games in the NFL and the NHL, and you're going to bet on them in Vegas, and then you're going to go to them. The NFL right now allows you, when you play in those games in London, you can walk across the street from Wembley Stadium and bet on the games that are taking place in London. And the NFL, at least the NBA has been, Adam Silver has come out and said, you know what, sports gambling should be legalized. But the NFL is so hypocritical on this. So incredibly hypocritical. Because if you ever buy a lottery ticket, go check and see who sponsors sometimes the scratch-off lottery tickets that you buy. I know where I live, in the state of Tennessee, we have the lottery, which is basically a tax on the poor, right? Typically, rich people don't walk into gas stations buying lottery tickets. Here in Tennessee, and I've seen it in every other state too, the NFL team sponsors the lottery ticket. In other words, you can buy Tennessee Titan or Dallas Cowboy or whatever the team is, lottery tickets. If an NFL team is willing to take the money from the lottery, the local lottery in the jurisdiction they're in, and put their logo on a scratch-off lottery ticket, how in the world can they not allow you to bet on who you think is going to win in a game? It is one of, I think, the most absurdly hypocritical laws that exist in this country that all of you out there right now, a huge percentage of you are betting on sports already, and you're doing it in a way that is totally illegal. Did you know that under American law right now, it is illegal for you to do a bracket challenge for the NCAA tournament? If you at your place of business set up a bracket pool and everybody put in 5 or 10 or 20 bucks to fill out a bracket, and the pool went to whoever had the best bracket, something that I guarantee you just about everybody at their place of business did, whether you're a school teacher or a a neurosurgeon. Every one of your places of business, I bet you did that. Did you know that's illegal? That's technically illegal under American law. You could be prosecuted for that. That's gambling, which isn't allowed. How much less interest would there be in the NCAA tournament if that bracket didn't exist? And how much less interest would there be in the NCAA tournament if everybody couldn't fill out their brackets and put money on it? Half the audience disappear if they're not rooting for their bracket? I don't think that's an exaggeration. In horse racing, would 90% of the audience disappear? Here's the other question I would ask you. Once it happens... And I think we're moving towards it getting legalized and giving the states the rights, just like we do with the lottery, to decide whether or not they want sports gambling within their borders. Once it happens, how much more interest is there going to be in sports? I'll tell you right now, I absolutely love gambling on sports. Not a lot of money, but it makes me watch games all the way to the end, oftentimes, because the over-unders in play or the line is in play, 
long after the determining factor has already been made. Right now, there's a study recently, you know, that they said 25% of all sports ratings are rooted in sports gambling right now. Gamblers are the most likely to watch a game start to finish because they've got money on it. But how is it that in this modern era, when we have the rules that we have for horse racing, do we allow that everywhere? Can gamble from your phone? How is it that we allow that and we don't allow gambling on, for instance, tonight's Warriors at Jazz game? I'm going to open up the phone lines, talk a little bit more about the legality behind this, because every year when the Kentucky Derby happens, I have the same thought. It's incomprehensible. It's unjustifiable. It is what drives me crazy more than anything else. Blatant, absolute hypocrisy. 877-996-6369. We'll go around the horn and talk about this as well. When we come back, I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I hope your Monday is going well. Thanks for spending it with us. I'm talking about what I see as a huge hypocrisy in the way that we cover and write about and talk about and also experience sports in this country. If it's horse racing, it's all legal. You can do whatever you want. You can gamble on anything. It comes to sports and big sports that people care about all year round, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, hockey, can't do it. I think it's fundamentally broken. Let's go around the horn and I'll also take your calls again, 877-996-6369. I'll start out in L.A. Danny G. and Justin, any disagreement from you guys about my belief that sports gambling should be legal? Definitely not. I'm a big proponent of gambling on sports. And, I mean, not that I do this, Clay, but most people find a way to do it anyway. So, Yeah, look, I mean, there are a lot of people that use the offshores and go ahead and bet from their phones anyway. And But why do we need to make them, like, hide in the, in the, in the corners of the Internet's recesses with these offshore devices? And, moreover, why would we allow our money to be leaving to go elsewhere when inside the country there are many businesses that would love to be able to be involved in this. Any, any disagreement with you, uh, Danny G? No, not at all. And I'm not a big gambler personally, but I get those who are, and I, and I have friends who like to take trips to Vegas because obviously they can walk into sports books there and do what they can't do in California. So all your points are really valid, Clay, and it's just the, the rules and the laws are so antiquated. really needs to catch up with the times. What is – and maybe you're sitting out there and you're saying, okay, how did we end up with this situation? Well, there was a law passed, I believe, in 1990 called PASPA, uh, which was passed by Congress. It was really shepherded by Bill Bradley, uh, the former uh, NBA player who was also a Rhodes Scholar, senator from the state of New Jersey. And he decided that was uh, it was not permissible in his mind because he was worried about the, the effects that gambling could have on games. He decided that they were going to pass a law in Congress that said only the states that, exist, that have gambling allowed in their states by this date, and it was some date, I don't remember the exact date, but it was like around 1990, are allowed to continue to have gambling. And so that's how 
for instance, Nevada got in under the existing law and then everybody else got prohibited. Well, there's since been a bunch of states that have passed a law saying, wait a minute, we want to allow sports gambling too. Prominent among them, Bill Bradley's own state of New Jersey, which allowed voters to vote on whether or not they wanted to be able to gamble on sports. It passed by like a 60% margin. The vast majority of you out there, sports fans or otherwise, may not want to gamble yourself, but you believe that people should be able to make that choice, and instead you aren't able to make that choice, at least not legally. Jason Martin, any disagreement from you? No, you know, I'm not a big gambler either, but I look at it and I continue to believe that legislating to stop people from abhorrent behavior or deemed abhorrent behavior is something that should only be done in extreme cases. And I think this goes back to the same argument we've had about prostitution and drugs and everything else. It's like you can't stop people from doing what they're going to do. There's going to be a segment that's going to make mistakes and do the wrong thing. But there's also going to be a lot of people that handle it correctly and don't harm anybody else in the process. So I look at this and I think that, that it's moral legislation and it's a mistake because the vast majority of people that engage in it that I know certainly and, and even those that I'm sure I don't know do it the correct way. They do it to have a little bit of fun. Maybe they do it to, little, to make a little bit of money, but they, they aren't addicts. They're not harming anybody. I just I don't understand, and, and your hypocrisy comment is dead on, because the horse racing argument, and then you go to the NFL and the way that they try to look at it. The NFL is hypocritical on a number of different issues, but this has to be paramount among them, especially when you consider how much the networks and everybody was tied into the daily fantasy and all of those kinds of things. I, I agree with you 100%. 877-996-6369. I don't see this as partisan. You may disagree with me, and you're welcome to weigh in. But I think on the Monday after the Derby, just happened yesterday or Saturday, and you see how massive of a success horse racing is because of the gambling component, it's to me indefensible to argue that you shouldn't have gambling elsewhere. And let me go ahead and knock down a couple of the arguments against it. Well, people say, oh, well, what about people who get addicted? Well, you can't stop people who get addicted. They're going to get addicted to a bookie, and they're going to be in much worse shape. You know why? Because if you have regulated gambling, then you can't get addicted, right, in the same way because you have to have money to be able to lose it. Dude, next time you're in Vegas, do me a favor. Walk up to the window, unless you're a big whale who they know has millions of dollars to lose, and say, hey, I'd like to put $500 on this next game that's about to start but I don't have that money right now. Can you front me? You know what they're going to say? Uh, hell no. You know what your bookie might say if you call him late and he's sitting at the corner of a local bar? Yeah, he'll front you. That's where guys get in trouble because they're gambling money they don't have. If you've already got the money, it sucks to lose it, but you've at least got the money. That's the only way you can lose it in Vegas or any other kind of regulated casino-type setting. The other thing is, oh, people say, oh, it's going to fix the matches. Are you kidding me? This is how we catch people who are trying to max, match fix. You, sign, you shine the bright light on the gambling, and people are able to see when irregular betting habits happen, and they can pull those games off the betting list. That's how they catch people who are trying to fix sporting events. Let's go to your calls. Uh, still uh, William and Virginia to start? Jason Martin? Yes, yes. Let's go, William. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, it's having a yeah, good I mean, start like of the week. Horse ra- yeah, horse racing. I mean, I, if you if you took it out of that, like that's the whole 
fun, and then nobody would watch. I, you'd probably kill the sport, you know? 100% the sport and, would die. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, also a good point you pointed out, which is why I love your show. You, you, I learned so much from you, man. Uh, I had no idea that you couldn't do uh, uh, March Madness, is that that was actually it's illegal. illegal. I run I run a huge pool, man, like around my area, not just with work, but in my whole community. I, I mean, heck, I got uh, a police officer that is actually gets in my pool every single year, and I, I had no idea that that was illegal. That's, that's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, no, I appreciate the call. Yeah. Everybody out your grandma filling out a bracket and put $20 into it, that's illegal gambling under American law. She could be prosecuted. Everybody who runs a big gambling pool for the NCAA tournament, everybody fills out 20 bucks and puts it in. Somebody can win, you know, a couple grand, whatever the math is on your individual pools at your individual places of work, all 50 states all over the country, that's all illegal. I mean, that's how broken our gambling system is and how regressive our laws are that a pool that your grandma enters can be considered illegal. Mark in Massachusetts. What's up, Mark? Clay, you got you to explain the, the fundamental difference between the horse wagering, paramutual wagering, and casino or bookie wagering when it comes to football or basketball or anything else. When you're, the, the casinos, all get, they set the line, right? They set a football. I don't bet, I've never bet a football game in my life. I'm 56 years old. But they set a line, and you're betting against the house when you're playing those football games. When you're playing against Saratoga, 24% goes to the track, paramutual wagering institutes that the rest of it goes back to the player. And that's why handicappers play horse racing, because you're playing against the idiots that are playing horses. <laughs> now you're, You you're know, the downside, I would say this. I would say this about, and I've, I've wagered paramutual, too, and it's worth, worth pointing out. The downside, I would say, is there's a couple different things I would hit on. One I think peer-to-peer betting would become commonplace in an internet age if we if we allowed sports gambling to exist. And for people out there who are wondering well, who what that means, I, I'm saying that you would sign up for a you know like let's say Amazon would decide to get into sports gambling, right? And instead of the house having a huge vig there and making a lot of money going back and forth, you would wager against somebody else. It would be like the stock market. You would somebody would say, okay, I'm going to take Warriors minus eight tonight. And somebody else would say, you know what, I want to take Utah Jazz plus eight, and you would have an actual market where the point line would fluctuate and you would be going peer-to-peer as opposed to even needing a house. You would pay maybe a subscription fee for the entire year. The other thing I would say about parimutuel betting is I actually think it's less fair because if you have an advantage, let's say you know that one horse is going to be better than the other, you place a bet and you don't even know if you're at that track what the odds are you've got until the horse race actually goes off. In other well, words, that's not true. No, no, that's it is a hundred percent. The line sir, fluctuates. I played, I played. The line fluctuates throughout. Fluctuates, Hold on. Pause, pause for a second. Stop talking. The line fluctuates throughout. So if I take a horse at 20 to one a week before the race, right? Or even five hours before the race goes off. And then everybody else decides, you know what? I love that horse. It ends up coming all the way down to five to one. I get it at five to one. You don't even know what the number that you've got is until the horse race actually goes off. There's not. A, there, there's very few, very few instances of of, of a horse going down fifteen points in in the course. But of you don't. But the point is, you don't even know what you're betting. Thanks for the call. You don't even know what you're betting at a horse race until it actually goes off at the race. Whereas 
if I think that there's a great line on Warriors minus eight tonight, and I feel like I've got some info, then if the market moves, I get to stick at Warriors minus eight. If it becomes Warriors minus 12, I've got the opportunity to go in and wager on the other side. I've created a decent middle for myself. With horse racing, it drives me crazy. You don't even know what the rate is until you actually see it go off. Now, at some offshores, they'll give you the actual number. And he's wrong. They move a ton. You can bet on them for months in advance. Those lines can move a ton. Let's go to, well, I'll keep taking your calls, 877-996-6369. But first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. As well, our friends at TrueCar. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience confident show here we're taking your calls talking about the absurdity in modern american law where everybody can wager on horse racing all over the country you can show up at a horse racing track and put as much money on a horse as you want within reason within the limits of those bets there and you can't bet on basketball baseball football or hockey and just about everywhere other than the state of Nevada. That makes no sense at all. And a lot of you just kind of coming around to the hypocrisy here, I think at some point in the next several years, we're going to get the right for individual states to make the decision about whether to allow sports gambling in their country. And I think we'll become a lot more like England, a lot more like Canada, where sports gambling is just a part of our normal fabric of life. I just tweeted out a link that shows how much of the television ratings are rooted in sports gambling, the number of viewers, how much that may help the overall revenue in sports. If we're in a sports rights bubble, which I believe we are when it comes to ESPNs of the world and how they're able to pay for sports going forward, I think this is where the leagues are going to get their money. I think the leagues have billions of dollars that they could theoretically make off of this. Your calls eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Nobody has disagreed with me. So far, I think most sports fans are all in favor of sports gambling being legal. If you disagree for some reason, you're welcome to call in and make that case. Let's go to our guy, Adam, in Perth, Australia. Adam, down in Australia, what's the law on sports gambling? You guys can bet on anything? Yeah, we've had it for about 10 years, mate. It's crazy how you guys don't do it. I wake up this morning, my time, and I can put on um, a bet that LeBron's team, the Cavs, would win by more than 10 points. I say tag that in onto the Yankees winning, tag that in onto the Edmund and Oilers winning. Um, it's crazy. You can do bits like who's going to hit the first home run, who can who can get a first triple-double. Like It's crazy the amount of things that we can actually bet on your sports. And now, yeah, that that's awesome. In, in, Aust- in Australia. Now, do you guys allow internet wagering? Is that legal, or do you have to go into a physical location of a shop to place your bets in Australia? No, you do it on the internet. You get an app. There's about 12 different businesses here in Australia that all have their own different odds, different ways of wagering. Um, it's incredible. I can, I've got three or four different accounts with different guys that they might have the Cavs winning a series and giving me $2.20. Someone else is giving me $4.80 at the start of the playoffs. It's, you just play off each other. It's crazy. For yeah, you guys not to have it just blows And, and you said it, it's only existed in Australia for about 10 years. Before that, it was illegal? 
know, before that, you could go into a, what we call a TAB, where we can place bets, like like a like a off course horse racing track where they have multiple sports on. Like I can link up Australian sports into American sports and Canadian sports into British sports and have big multis on all of them to get my odds up if I believe that I have the correct answers. No, that's that's awesome. I appreciate the call, Adam. Thanks for listening down in uh, Australia. Hope your Monday has gone well. You know, that is a uh, it, it's awesome. And for people out there who say, oh, you're going to impact the overall sanctity of the sport. It's legal in Australia. It's legal in England. It's legal in Canada. You know, the Raptors games are, in theory, all able to be bet as a part of the, you know, obviously the existing NBA. Major League Baseball, the the. Uh, Toronto Blue Jay games are bettable all in the state uh, in in the country of Canada. If this were a big issue, don't you think we would have seen fixing going on in those sports? Since in those countries you can literally bet on those games. And if we thought match fixing were a big deal, wouldn't we have already seen it in all those other countries where you can bet on our games? There's lots of money in Australia, lots of money in England, lots of money in Canada too all betting on American sports illegally with zero issues. I mean, I just don't think it's difficult at all. Let's go to uh, Darius. Where's Darius? I have no idea where Darius is. Darius, not, what's up? I'm not sure either. I'm in Los Angeles. Clay, this is a big problem because I bet all year. I've, I have an offshore account, and the problem is the government even has the money transferring companies all the major ones in their back pocket. If you bet too many times, they block you, and then you have to sit there and make up, you know, aliases just to get your money into your account if you don't use your credit card. It's ridiculous. Over the top. Can you believe, Darius, in this day and age, you're in L.A., you've got an offshore account. I guarantee you that lots of people listening to us in all 50 states right now also have offshore betting accounts. Can you believe in this day and age with everything that's going on in the world that the government is involved in whether or not we can bet on sporting events? It's outrageous. Next thing you know, they'll be telling us what kind of underwear to wear. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I I can't buy fruit and loons. That was my favorite. I grew up with Oh, you've bought too many pairs, sir. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, and also I like to say I have a complaint with your pick. I had a great 10-team parlay going, and I used your under in the Wisconsin game and the Nevada pick, and it screwed up my great 10-team parlay. But that's under the water. I appreciate the call. You know, we've been on a roll. We've been on a roll with the picks that I give you out here. We won like 65% of our picks, I believe it was, in the NCAA tournament. I gave you picks on every game. Uh, nearly 60% on college football, and I think we're around 64 65% on the NBA so far. I've given you out a lot of NBA picks. I haven't even kept up the last several. Uh, haven't been on as much of a roll in the second round as I have been in the first round. By the way, been a lot of easy gambling wins or losses because this is an amazing stat so far in the NBA. 14 of the 15 games played in the second round of the NBA playoffs so far have been double-digit wins. The only one that was not a double-digit win was... Yesterday afternoon's Cavs win over the Raptors. They covered, by the way, by a half point. But the Cavs won by seven. That's the only game in the second round of the NBA playoffs so far that has not been won by double digits. Outside of gambling, 
I don't know why anybody's watching the NBA playoffs right now. We're on a long road to the Cavs and the Warriors playing, and it's just so incredibly easy that it shouldn't even be difficult. Somebody said, what, Adam called in, he hopped off the phone already, but he had a downside. I think Adam called in and he said, oh, there'd be a lot of gambling commercials on television like FanDuel and DraftKings. I don't care about that. Or do you think commercials are great on sports now? Are you sitting around like, man, this commercial break is so incredible. It's amazing how good this commercial break was. No. You got a brain, you're not paying attention to commercials anyway during the during the sporting event. So what if it's DraftKings? So what if it's FanDuel? So what if it's all the different gambling companies? It'd be great for the businesses in terms of the businesses of sports. It'd also be great for people who are in my business. We'd have a ton of different advertisers during commercial breaks who'd be trying to get you to sign up to gamble. Make the sport more fun. I think that that, if that's your only downside, that's a very small downside. Keep taking your calls. Final segment of Hour 2. Hour 3, I'm telling you, you guys aren't going to want to miss this. Our buddy Jason Whitlock has got an article up on the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal about why sports have gone so left-wing Why has ESPN lost its way? Why have many sports suddenly turned into the progressive, absolute, far left of this country? What has happened? He has a theory on it. We're going to talk to him in hour three. Again, if you subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, flip to the editorial page, big real estate there for Jason Whitlock, at Whitlock Jason on Twitter. He's on Speak for Yourself. He's on FS1 every single day. We will talk with him in the final hour, one of our most popular guests that we have on somewhat regularly. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. It's time for the Geico Play of the Day as we come up on the final segment of Hour 2. Hope your Monday is going well. Jason Whitlock will join us in Hour 3. You're not going to want to miss that discussion. Well, they were the eight seed. Now they're in the Western Conference Finals. How did it sound? About like this. Let the crowd tell you what's happening here. That's it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. For the first time in their history, the Predators are going to go to the Western Conference Final. That call, courtesy of the Predators Radio Network. The Preds have now knocked out the Chicago Blackhawks 4-0 and the St. Louis Blues 4-2. They now await the winner of the Edmonton Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks. They'll play Game 7. Those two teams will in Anaheim on Wednesday night. That's your Geico play of the day. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico 15 minutes ago. That is a, uh, that's a bet. We're talking about sports gambling. That's a bet that could have gone really, really well if you had taken the Nashville Predators right about time the NHL playoffs started. And that's my argument, by the way, for why the NBA has been so awful. Just atrocious because you know exactly what's going to happen. We got a bunch of calls going to roll through them for you guys talking about the broken and hypocritical relationship between Americans and sports gambling in this country right now. Why can you go out to Las Vegas and gamble on any sport? Why can you not do it anywhere else? Why could, in theory, you be prosecuted for an NCAA tournament gambling pool for filling out the brackets and putting 20 bucks in because we're all totally broken? Jimmy in Florida. What's up, Jimmy? All right. So, first of all, you're correct. Let me get that, get that out the way. It should probably be driven by state. But I am a beyond sports fanatic. 
So gambling gets in the way of me focusing on sports. I'll give you an example. I'm a big Jets fan. I might bring six jerseys to a sports bar and switch based on a play I don't like or the score or whatever. And then the guy next to me is telling me what the line is. So just imagine my reaction when I'm trying to focus my energy, thinking that I can really will my team to win and it doesn't work. Well, by the way, if you're a Jets fan, you should know that you have absolutely no impact. Your team sucks. Correct. And I'm a Mets fan and Rangers and congrats to the Preds. But just so so for me, I'm in just a small little minority that the best you you and I I get that there are some guys out there, some guys out there like you, Jimmy, who say, I love sports so much that I don't want it to be corrupted by worrying about the line. I want to know who's going to win and all those things. I don't want to talk about the line. I get that. And there's a certain segment of the population that's like Jimmy. But why should your the way that you experience sports dictate how I have to experience sports? Correct. That's that's why I have to now be finally the minority after like forty years. Because remember, I used to do the brackets when it was in the Daily News. It yep. wasn't on internet. But then I'll have a guy who's an MIT guy next to me, and he's telling me why he's rooting for all these teams. And I'm like, no, that guy went to this high school. This guy probably is going to play where he grew up. So I think he's going to win. So my logic is not off of all of the reasons why. He might pick, but guess what? I still win the bracket. Even though they have all these little computer models, I always win, but I don't put money on it. So I I still like going against the masses, and I think you're absolutely right. I just wanted to to chime in so you know that there are still sports fanatics out there that do not care about what to bet on, but you have every right to bet no matter what city you're in. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Yeah, look, I get it. I get there are people out there who say, man, you know, I care so much about whether my team wins or not that I don't want to put any money on it. I get that argument. I think that the younger you are, the less likely you are to buy in. I think the younger generation wants to have more action. I think that younger guys want to gamble. Mark in San Francisco. What's up, Mark? Yeah. Well, if you're using horse racing as, as your reference, only recently have you been able to bet off track. Horse racing... Hang on. What happened? What happened to Mark there? No, I'm here. I'm here. So the horse racing, the handle was down. The attendance was down. They had to increase because there's no racing without gambling. People don't go to the track and watch the horses run around. People come to go to football games and watch football game without money on it. Gambling has to be difficult because gambling can cause serious problems in people's lives. Stop. Let's hang up on Mark. Hang up on Mark. I'm not going to let you make the argument you can call serious problems in people's lives. Look, everything can, right? Anything done outside of moderation can cause serious problems in people's lives. But that's not my concern. And I honestly think there would be less serious problems if gambling were actually legal because then you can't get in the hock to a bookie. You have to have the money to wager it. You know who really needs gambling and should be all in on it? NASCAR. How much more interesting would NASCAR be if you could wager on the games, the races themselves, just like horses? Nobody's going to NASCAR races now. That sport is in crisis. If I were in charge of NASCAR right now, I would go all in with every absolute situation. 100%. I'd be all in. I would sit down and I would say, look, this is what we have to do. I'll take a few more of your calls, 877-996-6369, coming back in at the top on hour three. 
and then we will be able to get hooked up with Jason Whitlock. I'm telling you guys, you're not going to want to miss it. He's going to join us. He's got an editorial page uh, article up in the Wall Street Journal today. He'll talk about that with us in Hour 3. I am Clay Travis. I'm crazy. I believe you should have the right to gamble, and the government shouldn't stop you from doing it. Let's play God Bless America. I <laughs> and This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Hour 3 Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. And remember, Duralast batteries, proven tough, designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone, auto zone. Just waking up across the country. You haven't missed that much in the NBA playoffs so far especially in the second round, 14 of the 15 games, amazing stat, 14 of the 15 games so far have been decided by double digits. The only one that has not been decided by double digits, one of the least competitive series, if not the least competitive series, maybe uh, more accurately phrased, so far in the NBA playoffs, and that was the Cavs and the Raptors. Cavs went on the road and won game four. They are now 8-0. and The Warriors will try to win their eighth straight in the playoffs in advance to the Western Conference Finals. Meanwhile, we got two different series, obviously the Celtics and the Wizards, both tied at two, as well as the Rockets and the Spurs, both tied at two games apiece. Those four teams fighting to advance to get decapitated by the Cavs and the Warriors. I'm not sure a good way to make the NBA playoffs matter, but I do know that compared to every other sport, it's the only one you don't need to watch at all. I hope the NBA Finals themselves are going to be really good. But barring substantial injury, it's going to be Cavs and Warriors for the third straight year. And all of the playoff mess will not even matter. It's possible. We've never seen this before, but it's possible that both teams, the Cavs and the Warriors, could go with three straight sweeps into the Finals. We could have two teams on a run of 12-0 and meeting in the NBA Finals. I hope that series is actually good, but it doesn't start until June 1. So we got a lot of time now to sit around and wait on everything else. And so as the Cavs and the Warriors, already the best two teams, kick their heels up and rest, I mean, they are hardly going to play at all now in the NBA playoffs, assuming that the Warriors get things done tonight, which I think there's a very good chance they will, and eliminate the Utah Jazz. Even if they lose game four, I think most of you would agree with me that there's a very, very small percentage chance that the Warriors are going to lose game four and game five and ever go back to Utah again. We spent a lot of time on the show so far. If you want to go download the podcast, you're just starting off your day uh, talking about how absurd American sports gambling laws are. And we talked with my guy Lance Taylor in the first hour about the NBA situation and whether or not LeBron James, if you put him on every team, would be able to, uh, every team in the East would be able to take that team to the finals. Let's go take a couple more of your calls. Let's go to Pete in Albany. Pete, what's up? Clay, you're hitting the nail right on the head this morning. It's just something that I've been, uh, I've been screaming from the rooftops my entire 37 years. And I just actually finished up my senior, uh, I've been working on, finished up my MBA, did a thesis on how hypocritical uh, gambling laws are and why sports gambling needs to be legalized immediately. Bottom line is, this is a billion-dollar shadow industry that the states and the federal government are completely ignoring and could be capturing that revenue. Yeah. Bottom line is, guys like us, guys like us, are responsibly uh, responsible gamblers. 
people, the, the, your previous caller who mentioned that um, gambling is a problem, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem when you go to the gas station and watch somebody spend $50 on lottery tickets. Amen. Total hypocrisy. Total hypocrisy. At the end of the day, the federal law needs to be lifted and the states push hard for it. And, the, and the, the additional revenue needs to be pushed back into funding problem gambling, which happens to be an addiction, criminally underfunded, right in line with heroin addiction and cocaine addiction. Thanks for the time, Clay. i got to go to work. Great call from Pete in Albany. Look, I mean, that's the truth. If you think that gambling is an issue in this country, then you should be up in arms with scratch-off lottery tickets and the lottery nationwide that we have. Because the people who gamble there are the people with no money to waste. Odds are, if you haven't bought a scratch-off lottery ticket, you're probably doing fine. Like, I I buy scratch-off lottery tickets every now and then when the lottery hits like $200 million, $300 million, whatever it is, just as entertainment, right? I spend whatever I spend on those tickets. I bring them home, scratch them off, look at the numbers, whatever, and, and, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of exciting. So that's it. That's actual problem gambling. That's people who can't afford to lose money. And by the way, every NFL team is licensing their logo to scratch off lottery tickets. You want to know how hypocritical the NFL is? Think about that for a minute. The NFL says, no, you can't gamble on the actual games featuring your favorite teams, but we're going to put our logo on scratch-off lottery tickets. It's unbelievable. If you're opposed to gambling, if you have a hypocritical, if you have an opposition and you're the NFL, how hypocritical is it to take the money from scratch-off lottery tickets? That's unbelievable. The way the NFL, I think it's the, the NFL is hypocritical on many uh, different fronts. I think the single most hypocritical thing the NFL does is claim that gambling would somehow hurt their business. And meanwhile, they're rolling a franchise out in Las Vegas. And meanwhile, they're all selling their individual logos to scratch off lottery tickets nationwide. I think the rule should be simple. I think every individual state should be able to decide whether or not they want to allow gambling to take place, sports gambling, in their state. If you don't want to, that's fine. But I think the vast majority of states would want it to happen and would want gambling to be legal. And I think that's where we're headed, rapidly. I don't particularly care about a lot of stuff Donald Trump's trying to do, but I would get lined up behind him in a heartbeat. I don't see it as being very partisan at all if he decided to say, you know what, every individual state can make their decision about gambling. We're going to repeal this federal law that prohibits sports gambling. I think a lot of people would be very excited, myself, many of you listening right now. It's hypocritical not to do it. Jason Whitlock is going to join us next. This is going to be fantastic, I promise you guys. He's got a big article on the Wall Street Journal editorial page about why sports media has gone so left-wing and what he sees as the reason behind ESPN's turning into a social justice warrior network. He worked there twice. He's now at FS1. You can watch him on Speak for Yourself. He's going to join us next. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. we got a special guest joining us here in Hour 3. 
Get your Monday morning off and rolling. It is Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason, one of your favorite regular guests to appear on the show. And this morning, Jason, you have shaken off the writing cobwebs and you are taking over the Wall Street Journal with your piece about ESPN, Deadspin, Gawker. It's pretty fascinating. First of all, thanks for joining us, my man. No problem. Glad to be here. So uh, you have not written for a while. How excited were you to get to get uh, the prime real estate of the Wall Street Journal and also just get to write a, uh, a column again? I, you're really good at it, one of my favorite guys to read. How much have you missed it? I've missed it a lot. You know, I, I wrote something for Peter King's Monday Morning Quarterback during football season, uh, something about, you know, why football is important. But, yeah, I miss writing a lot. You know, my identity is caught up in being a writer. Uh, and so it was good to be in the Wall Street Journal. It was good to be writing about something important. You and I talk a lot about this stuff off the air, obviously. Uh, you sounding boards, everything else. And I've been fascinated by this theory of yours in general. And you've been on it for a couple of years now. And, and for people who haven't read the article, I tweeted out the link. You should go check it out. Uh, your thesis in general is about the changes that you saw at ESPN in the two tenures that you worked there. So before I go into the article itself, I want to go back into your past history. When you first went to work for ESPN, what was it like? Uh, it was great. You know, I was, I think, originally hired in 2000, 2001. Neil Scarborough hired me to write uh, for page two. And then shortly after, or maybe shortly before, in 2000 or 2001, I started appearing on the sports reporters uh, with Dick Shep. And, you know, at the time, I was probably around 30 years old. And, you know, that was a really, no, no, I was a little older than that, maybe 33, 34. At the time, it was a really big deal getting on the sports reporters. Uh, it was the old school sports reporters with, you know, Lupica and Bill Conlon and Tony Kornheiser and all those guys. And, you know, it was great. And then, you know, writing online for page two was an exciting time because that was at a time when, you know, we were taking a lot of risk and being really creative at page two. Uh, you know, of course, Ralph Wiley and David Havelstrom was there, but Bill Simmons was there making his name for himself. And I was there trying to build a national audience while still working at the Kansas City Star. You know, it, it was a lot of risk-taking, a lot of uh, creativity, a lot of fun being had in the columns. And uh, and then, you know, I can remember be, I was one of the first fill-in hosts ever for PTI when Mike and Tony started that. And, you know, again, you, you were able to use your sense of humor and say some things. Uh, you know, it just seemed like ESPN – was a lot freer then, and there was a guy named Mark Shapiro uh, that was the number two under George Bodenheimer running the network at that time, and he was implementing a lot of change at ESPN and trying out all these new programs from Party Interruption to Around the Horn to a bunch of stuff. It was just a, it was a an aggressive, you know, try anything atmosphere and culture at ESPN. So the risk-taking culture led to ESPN being very successful. It also, as the blogosphere was rising, led to Deadspin, which at the time had a lot more of a platform than it does now. 
going after ESPN and going after ESPN employees for embarrassing stories, and you hit several of them in your article on the Wall Street Journal, and as a result, how did that change things by the time you went back to ESPN for your second visit? Well, you know, I think Deadspin launched in 2005 at the same time that Mark Shapiro left ESPN, and I don't know if Deadspin started out like, hey, we're going to put ESPN in the crosshairs, but it didn't take them long to figure out, hey, we can get a lot of traction trolling ESPN talent and and executives. And I can remember they, they Stuart Scott was the first guy in the crosshairs, and I can remember when that piece uh, Will Lease posted, Basically, you know, A.J. Delario, who was a correspondent at the time for Deadspin. And by the way, later got, later got sued by Hulk Hogan and basically was bankrupted. Was also my boss when I was at Deadspin. Uh, but that, that is uh, the background on A.J. Uh, is he was on trial as one of the defendants in the Hulk Hogan lawsuit that ended up breaking Gawker. Uh, so A.J. was at the Super Bowl and he did what? Looked over Stuart Scott's shoulder and saw a text that said, let me know. And they wrote a piece, Leeds did, and that basically this was Stuart Scott, who was married at the time, booty calling some uh, other media personality, female media personality, and they just wrote a post about it. And I can remember being upset myself and voicing my displeasure to Leach and Delario, and Stuart Scott certainly was upset, uh, but you know, they were trying to get it, uh, traction and attention. And I think doing that thing with Stuart Scott, no matter how many people were pissed off, they got so much attention. I think they just kind of fell in love with, hey, if we go after ESPN talent, uh, there's a lot of traction and growth here, a lot of page views. And so they just started fairly and unfairly uh, exposing or going after ESPN talent about you know, sexual malfeasance at ESPN. You know, Sean Salisbury found himself in the crosshairs. I think, you know, and Sean Salisbury, I think, did some dumb stuff and needed to be exposed. But some of it was unfair, and a lot of it was unconfirmed rumors that A.J. put out there when he was upset with ESPN. And, you know, ESPN just kind of tolerated this. And then eventually... You know, I, I can remember when they clowned John Walsh. I think Tommy Craggs was up for a job with Grantland, and they sent a clown, and a literal clown, uh, to the interview that Tommy Craggs was supposed to go to with John Walsh, and they uh, recorded. They secretly videotaped it and showed everybody on their website, here we are making, fun, making a fool out of this ESPN executive. And then I can remember a few years later, they, they came out with some expose about, you know, allegedly John Walsh being uh, sexually harassing people on the job. or not, not, I don't want to say on the job. I think at some bar they said he was drunk and, you know, uh, being perverted or not perverted is too strong a word, but being flirtatious, overly flirtatious with women at some bar. Anyway, they just went after ESPN executives and ESPN talent. And it's my belief that eventually, you know, rather than fighting back against the unfair things that they did, ESPN just kind of rolled over and, 
you know, took on Deadspin's point of view and just became, you know, really progressive and really PC and really far left wing. So it's a fascinating theory. We're talking to Jason Whitlock, his piece on the uh, Wall Street Journal editorial page this morning, analyzing why ESPN has gone left wing, that it was an attempt to get out of Deadspin's crosshairs. And your thesis is that in the process, ESPN became Deadspin. Uh, because recently, Deadspin has been very much praising the decisions that are made by ESPN. And as a result, people like Linda Cohn are saying, wait a minute, we've now left behind the base of regular fans that came to ESPN to begin with. It reminds me, I said this on this show before, you probably like this phrase. Charles Barkley uh, once said uh, to me, and I remember thinking how much it made sense, if you worry about the people you don't like, then the people who do like you won't like you anymore. And that seems to be a perfect summation of what's happened at ESPN. The people that used to love them now hate them. The people that used to hate them love them. The problem they've got is... The people that used to hate them were a small segment of the population, and they changed what was working for that segment. And in the process, they lost their base. Listen, that's been people have been reluctant to acknowledge. The media has been reluctant to acknowledge, write about Deadspin's impact on all of the sports media. You know, the piece I have in the Wall Street Journal focuses in on ESPN. But Deadspin's impact on all of sports media has been the most significant thing that's happened in my career. Uh, they they put a they went after any journalist, and by going after ESPN, it was a signal to all the other sports journalists: if you're conservative, if you write things we disagree with, we are going to go after your work and potentially you in the most unfair and sensational way possible uh, to try to send a message to all of the sports media. And then they championed. If you were far left, they championed you. And the next thing you know, Bomani Jones is the greatest thing that's ever happened to sports media without any – and, again, Bomani has some talent. But the way he was celebrated as if he was the smartest guy to ever enter the sports media profession is a joke. But because he adhered to that progressive ideology and point of view, they celebrated him as such. And the next thing you know, his platforms got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, he's seen as the next wave of great uh, sports journalists. And it's hard to – he hasn't really done enough journalistic work to be considered a journalist, but he's talked about as if he is. But, again, Deadspin's impact – is can, can be seen most clearly at ESPN, but it is throughout sports media. Uh, again, they've you know let's be completely transparent. They posted a blog with you in a KKK hat. <laughs> uh, clearly, every a lot of people are familiar about the hatchet job pieces they did on me. That again, it's like I, I have documented proof that a lot of the stuff they wrote was an outright lie, and it certainly was biased and skewed, but the the mainstream media won't address it because there's a fear of deadspin. And so, I mean, I've certainly had a deadspin target on my back and, you know, have had to deal with them trying to smear my reputation. 
unfairly, but I'm just never going to back down to those guys because uh, if you do back down the way, you know, I believe ESPN has, you eventually will pay a price from it. You will run off your hardcore base, and since I'm in the sports world, I, you know, my hardcore base of fans, traditional sports fans, I just that progressive far left ideology is not what they believe in, and so uh, I'm just not going to sell out to Deadspin. Uh, I'm not going to make peace with a group that has acted really inappropriately and really unethically in a lot of ways. They've done, they've stumbled into some good journalistic work from time to time, but a lot of their work is really unethical. The kind of stuff that when I was coming up in the business the first 20 years would have gotten you fired. Uh, but now it's just kind of accepted in this clickbait world. We're talking to Jason Whitlock. Can you hang with us here for a few minutes? His yeah. big piece is up in the Wall Street Journal's editorial page this morning. Open up your newspaper. Go read it. You can check out the tweet that we have sent out. You can go follow Jason at Whitlock Jason online but first let's find out what's trending now welcome back fox sports radio studios brought to you by geico it's easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier this is the final hour we're talking to jason whitlock at whitlock jason on twitter I want to remind you with true car you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off msrp whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Jason Whitlock has got a piece up on the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal this morning about the move in sports media from middle of the road, I would say, is probably a good way to describe it, to left wing and how the blogosphere, in particular Deadspin, a popular sports blog, has managed to drive ESPN and Fox and other places, I think it's fair to say, to the left wing people okay so for people out there who are listening to us right now and they're they've listened to this interview and they're enjoying it but they're also saying why does this matter okay why does it matter that sports media has moved left and in particular espn which is still the king of sports media has led that move left why does it matter well i I think one it's perverted a lot of the conversations that we'd like to have in sports that there's Again, if you're someone who thinks, hey, man, what Colin Kaepernick did, taking a knee, was probably inappropriate, uh, is not something you'd want your franchise starting quarterback to do, uh, is probably not the best career move for him, and there were better ways to make the point. If he wanted to make a point about police misconduct, there was a better way to do it. If you argue that in this new environment we have here, you're either a racist white person or you're an Uncle Tom black person. That's the way it's being argued in the sports media world. And there used to be a time when you could take two different sides of of an argument without being shouted down as a racist or someone who has abandoned your race and is a sellout. Uh, But things have moved so far left, this is now the appropriate way to have these conversations is to shout people down. Also, I think it's if you understand sports culture and the values taught in sports culture, 
they are conservative values without being political. They're again when I, conser- sometimes conservative values have no political connotation and they hadn't in sports. But so many people that grew up in sports culture as athletes, as coaches, as fans believe in a lot of the values, the conservative values taught in sports. And again, if you're a business like baseball, like uh, professional football, like basketball, any of these sports, patriotism has been at the heart of sports. It's the only place in America where we play the national anthem, everybody rises. Uh, again, a lot of people that were very comfortable with the traditional celebratory, patriotic version of sports don't like this revolutionary far-left extremism and progressiveness brought into the sports world. It's like, hey, man, you're trying to stuff some values down my throat that aren't consistent with the values in sports. Sports is about the meritocracy, and some of this far-left stuff isn't about that. And and then as it relates to ESPN, why this is problematic, is, and I argue in the piece, is they have mistaken progressive ideology and progressive diversity as business innovation. Rather than actually innovating and, and doing what they were doing under the Mark Shapiro era, coming up with new shows, new formats of shows, uh, you know, putting people like Tony and Mike, who had a lot of gravitas, a lot of credibility as journalists, on platforms where they could give a mature perspective. ESPN now seems to be, and a lot of the sports media now seems to be, it's not about whether you have Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon's experience and credibility. It's about whether you look different and whether or not you argue from this left-wing point of view, let's empower that. It's not about your qualifications for the job. It's about do you fit this idea and this uh, diverse look that we're trying to put forward rather than a diverse perspective uh, and so it's just bad business. It's not the focus, uh, I think, at a lot of media networks isn't about business. It's about uh, perception and whether or not uh, the left-wing social media and the left-wing social justice warriors active on social media and active at these blogs, do they approve of the face you're putting forward Way too much focus on that. It's bad business, and that's how a lot of veteran people uh, and a lot of people that had done good good work are getting run out of this business because media, going back to the newspaper, the fall of the newspaper industry, to what we're seeing now in sports media on television, there just hasn't been enough focused on innovation and making the business strong so you can employ people there's been too much focus on do you fit the progressive agenda we're talking to jason whitlock at whitlock jason on twitter go follow him do you think there is hope for the future 
being back middle of the road in sports with sports as an escape as opposed to a reflection of our divided political landscape? Look, over time, businesses will correct themselves and the market will speak. Uh, You know, over time, I think there's going to be a true competitor rise up and really take on ESPN television and try to cater to the traditional sports fan. And so, yeah, I do think the system will correct itself. Uh, It's just going to be unfortunate for the people that get hurt while the business is trying to correct themselves. What has the response been to your editorial so far? I mean, it's early in the morning on Monday, but immediately when you put out this tweet on Sunday night, lots of comments rolled in, and I think a lot of people are commenting. Let me hit you on this. At the end of that article, you reference ESPN NFL reporter Ed Werder. He went on a podcast and said he heard, and this is an amazing, quality of work would not be a consideration when employees were let go at ESPN. Werder lamented, quote, it seemed to me that quality work should be the only consideration, and you write, not in this America, the one ruled by social media perception and dismissive of the real world. What has the reaction been so far to your piece? Uh, the immediate reaction over social media, over Twitter in particular, seemed uh, organized. Cause a lot of people that don't follow me, were magically almost instantly tweeting at me, you know, just their them being upset and vitriol and go retire or, you know, they weren't dealing with the substance of what I had to say. Some people were arguing that somehow I was arguing against a free press. Uh, <laughs> and so a lot of the feedback was preposterous. But it was, you know, there was a lot of feedback, and it all seemed to be coming from the same mindset. So I think the, again, I think over Twitter, a lot of people that lean left are, that is their headquarters. And, you know, I think a lot of Deadspin and Gawker sympathizers are very active over Twitter, and they try to shout you down as quick as possible and uh, create the sense among other people that just kind of lurk over Twitter. Well, everybody thinks this opinion is stupid, uh, and so don't read it or be dismissive of it. We've all agreed it's no good. And then over time, I you know, the positive feedback started rolling in, and people were just, hey, man, I'm glad you said this. I'm glad someone's speaking the truth. This is what I've been feeling. I've been trying to figure out. Why, what happened? Why did ESPN move so left so quickly? Uh, you know, so I think there's been a cross-section uh, of opinion. But, again, because social media leans left and because, in, you know, in my view, Twitter and Facebook do a good job of, of uh, manipulating social media to lean left, uh, that it, it's hard to figure out. But I do think people were reading the article and reacting to it. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think this is, because it's an original idea, I think it's been out there. I think, you know, to me, Clay, it seems obvious what Deadspin did to ESPN. I, for the life of me, 
have been trying. Why has this never been written about? Why, why, why wasn't this documented in real time? You have all these media critics out there, the Richard Dices of the world, and all these other people that monitor uh, these media outlets. I don't understand how this never got addressed as it was actually happening. The stuff ESPN did to some of the executives and some of the talent at ESPN. Remove me. Let's say you, you hate my guts. Let's say you hate Clay Travis's guts. Some of the things that went on, with, again, with Stuart Scott in 2007, were so outrageous, I don't understand how this stuff wasn't addressed there. It is a fascinating question because you go back and look at all of those details and the way they piled up. It's like ESPN got so afraid of Deadspin that they became Deadspin. And what's fascinating about that is Deadspin is a shadow of the site that it used to be. It's traffic on sites, its influence continues to diminish, and now we're seeing the same thing happen with ESPN. It's why I love reading your columns, why I love having you on the show, and why I love uh, talking to you outside of uh, work. Always original thoughts, always thought-provoking. Appreciate the time, and congrats on uh, making the debut, I believe, for you, right, in the Wall Street Journal editorial page. That's big time. Been in a lot of papers. First time in the Wall Street Journal. I can check that off my to-do list. (laughs) All right, my man. Good stuff. I appreciate the time. That is uh, uh, at Whitlock Jason. Go follow him on Twitter. You need to go read this piece. I'm telling you all, it is really an outstanding one. If you are fascinated about how we've gotten to the world that we've reached today, go read it. It's a big theory. It's a good theory. It's a strong theory. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. Final segment of the show coming up next on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance thought Jason Whitlock was awesome at Whitlock. Jason, I always encourage you guys, if you enjoy interviews from any of our guests, go reach them out on Twitter, social media. I know this makes an impact on me. I love knowing how many people are listening and also that it's an engaged audience. So anytime I go on a show, if people immediately respond, good or bad, you don't have to agree with everybody, just uh, that you're listening and that you appreciate him coming on. Go uh, seek him out. Go read that article at Whitlock Jason and uh, let him know you appreciate him coming on early in the morning. Obviously, early morning show. Early morning start for a lot of people all over the country, and it's always good to get that uh, reinforcement that people are out there listening. So a lot of you are doing that already, but I always encourage you whenever you hear an interview with a guest that you enjoy on this show, make sure that you let them know. Well, we had a long weekend, and now it's time for the segment that drives some of you crazy and drives others of you to absolute pinnacles of joy. It's time for Tebow Watch, the chosen son of God attempting to rise in the minor league baseball ranks, playing for the Columbia Fireflies. Jason Martin, how did the weekend go? Clay, it was not a good weekend for the Columbia Fireflies. 0 for 3 against the Lakewood Blue Claws, and in two of the games, the visitors hit double digits in runs. Now, Tebow goes 3 for 9 at the dish. He struck out three times and walked twice. On Friday in the eighth position, Two for four, no RBI. Saturday, back in the seven spot, 0 for three, two strikeouts. Sunday, Tebow as the designated hitter, still in seventh, one for two and walked his other times up. What does that mean for his average? Well, it's a 242, so it actually went up 10 spots since our last Tebow watch back on May 4th. Still no RBI for Tim Tebow since April the 16th. He's still stuck on nine 
before the season. Columbia, one more game with Lakewood. Then they travel to Salisbury, Maryland on Wednesday for the first of four against, yes, again, Delmarva, this time on the road, including making up the rain-fall game from last week. And then, uh-oh, Fireflies, four on the road in New Jersey against these same Lakewood Blue Claws, the team that just finished breaking a boot off in their collective posteriors. The splits, 94 points higher versus righties, 141 points higher at home than on the road, 96 higher in day versus night games. And for the month of May, Tim Tebow hitting 267, third on the team in batting average among regular players. The team high is just 260, so he's not far off. Let's blow Tebow. And for Columbia, they've fallen into a tie for fourth in the South Atlantic League Southern Division, 14 and 16. They've lost four straight, Lakewood 19 and 12. So they got really right against Columbia. Delmarva's also 14 and 16. So when they go on the road, let's see if Tebow and the crew can get themselves right against another struggling team. That is your Tebow watch for Monday, May 8th, 2017. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Jason Martin on an absolute role there with the Tebow watch. Want to welcome in Asheville, North Carolina. They're shaking their heads, wondering what they've gotten into. And Peoria, Illinois. Every Monday, kind of going forward, we're adding new affiliates. Uh, appreciate everybody out there signing up to uh, to join our fun, rollicking ride every morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. Again, uh, welcome in to Asheville and to Peoria and Columbia, South Carolina, and Greenville, South Carolina. Joined us last Monday. Lots of new affiliates uh, lining up. Appreciate everybody out there. Man, like I said, loaded show this morning. I appreciate all of you. Only one game tonight. I'm telling you right now, Golden State, take the Warriors to cover. I think that line is right around eight. I expect it to probably climb throughout the day. A lot of these good teams, when they get teams on a row, uh, on the ropes, like uh, the Golden State Warriors have the Utah Jazz, they tend to close them out. And uh, I think that's going to happen tonight. I think we will be down to just two series left in the NBA. So that's one game per night between the Rockets and the Spurs and the Wizards and the Celtics. So one of those, one of all, two of those four teams will get executed in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. But in the meantime, they will fight desperately to get there. Again, I'd encourage you to reach out to our guests at the Lance Taylor at Whitlock Jason. Thank you guys for spending your Monday with us. We'll be back tomorrow. Casey Smith will join us from Boston and we will talk with Alex Marvez as we always do every single Tuesday. Going to be a fun week. Trust me, come and hang. And also remember, go download the podcast. We now have a best of edition to the extent that there is a best of edition. It's up every single day on iTunes. Make sure you go check it out. Outkick the coverage. I'll be back later this afternoon with you on Outkick the Show on Facebook Live and Periscope. I'm off to do a charity golf event now. Going to try to break 100 fingers crossed on that one. What a day. Um, Starting the week with a bang. I am Clay Travis. You've been listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. My gift to you, the Warriors are going to cover by double digits tonight on Fox Sports Radio. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free 